Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. I've seen the movie Bridesmaids. I'm not advertising it. I just one time a friend told me about not it. Not advertising it. Not, I've never seen it myself, but a friend had told me that there's like situation that happens, this whole scene where the girl's like on the mic and then the next one comes up and she takes the mic and she tries to one up that one. And I always feel I always feel like that. I'm like, I just have one more. I, now I have a song I'd like to sing. <laughs> just have one more thing. Okay. But for real. Tonight is a big deal in our family, a big deal. And I know that this word was not delivered in a light way, so weighty that you can feel it in the room. And mom has been carrying this in her heart. She's been pressing in. I cannot imagine having to lead a family this size into a whole new and unknown place really not having someone turn and teach you everything that she knows and is able to turn and dispense. So I know for me and my household, we do not take it lightly, all that you're willing to press into on our behalf. And for generations to come because I know that it's not just changing things here and it's not just, oh, we have a Saturday to get together and enjoy a feast, but my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren are completely changed and affected by moments like tonight, by moments like tomorrow. So, Mom, thank you. Uh, that was awesome and awkward. Um, When she talks about the weightiness in the room, I don't know if you guys can feel it, but ever since about like three o'clock, all I do is shake and start crying. So, yes, thanks. And I'll need a lighter. I might be able to do it without. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um... Originally, when we were going to be celebrating Pesach and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, tonight was going to be just decorating. And I felt very strongly about a week ago to shift things and do part of a Seder. Um, I'm I'm feeling that between tonight and tomorrow, I want to dispense kind of two, two ways to look at it. And then I had this whole plan... And then I rested today, and out of that place of rest, he, like, wrecked me in a way to handle tonight. So I'm going to step into a timeless place and I'm going to step into a timeless place and release in a, in a different anointing. I am a teacher. My heart tonight is to not teach, but tonight is about telling a story. Um, so let me start off with a, a, a couple of things. T- tonight is weighty because if you break up the first two days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, tonight is going to be the night of remembrance. The powerful thing about this feast is that you have a dichotomy going on. You have, you have the, the, the bread of affliction and you have cups overflowing, right? You're eating and partaking the bread of affliction while at the same time engaging wine. When she said that we don't spill wine, let me explain something for all of you non-wine drinkers. It actually is very traditional that even if you don't drink wine, you need at least a little bit in your grape juice. Because the point is to have your cup overflowing to the brim at least four times. And so we are going to be engaging in four cups. So basically, we're going to be start drinking at like 11 a.m. tomorrow. 
That's Valerie's here. We're fine. <laughs> But tomorrow is going to be a day where we get to engage freedom. And tonight, you, you, you don't understand freedom if you don't understand the affliction. You don't understand what you're moving out of if you don't understand what you're in. So tonight is kind of the somber night. Tonight is kind of the remembrance night. Tonight's the night for us to remember and for us to understand that the Feast of Unleavened Bread has been fulfilled. Yes, in its, in its fulfillment, we are still to rehearse and we are still to remember because it's a time for us to renew what he's already fulfilled in us to give us the power to walk in the next feast that was also fulfilled, but that feast is all about you. Then once it's all about you at Shavuot, we have to be empowered to walk forward into a feast that has not yet been fulfilled. Why? Because of you. So we won't get to Sukkot, we won't get to Tabernacles if we do not renew the covenant within our hearts, remember where we came from, and know where we are now and where we're going. So, I'll light the Shabbat candles. <laughs> Look at the flame. Now, as I said last week, uh, in a way, I'm leading this family blindly because like she said, it's not like I've, I actually have only been to one Seder. And that was the Jews for Jesus Seder. So, there, the, so let, me, let me explain something. Whether you've been to a hundred or you've been to none, the thing about tonight is that if the story does not go inside of you, it's just a story. Until it's internalized, it is not real and it is not real for you. So Yeshua could have died a million times, but until it's inside of you and you internalize his story as your own because it's your story, it means nothing and he died in vain. So for us as a family, it was so easy on Easter Sunday to get up, go to a service, and have the pastor lay out a great message about resurrection. But never was it internalized. Partly because I didn't even know what he delivered us from. I've said that in my personal story, but especially dealing with uh, walking out of a place of... Um, Self-righteousness is probably one of the worst. It's pornography, divorce, addiction, anger, malice, hatred. I feel like all of those you can overcome. Self-righteousness, it's all about, it's all, then you're alone. It's all about you. You don't need him. The cross doesn't even mean anything because I got it. That's the, that is, is that making sense? That is, the, that is the, that, so when I say to internalize it, it's for us to know what it is that he did and you don't know what he fulfilled if you don't know the story that's about to be told tonight. Because he fulfilled a story. He didn't just show up on the scene all randomly and is like, oh, I'm about my father's business, so here I am. He was actually fulfilling what, was, what had happened 1,500 years prior to his arrival, it had happened once before. And he says, I'm about my father's business. So then he steps into a place and does his father's business that his father had already done. And then he's the final one to do it. But we don't even necessarily know what he did if we don't know what his father did. So, okay. Uh, there is something super powerful that I want to talk to us as a family about being Hebrew. If you read what they call a, I'm going to get the words wrong. You guys are going to have to help me. Haggadah. There is basically a pamphlet that tells you how to walk through a Seder. The one that I have is about 115 pages long. Um, here's what's so powerful about the Jewish people or Hebraic people. It is like line by line by line by line by line and yet it still says that the story is not told fully 
until your voice is added. You can, you can get any Haggadah you want and read through it, and it's going to say until you partake and you add your traditions and you walk this out, this story is untold. How powerful is it to be a part of a Hebraic line of people that, that I, I'm going to use the wrong words, but safeguarded tradition, like don't touch, I don't know why I'm doing this. It's a wine barrel. <laughs> it's like held on tradition with iron fists. And yet we're also completely open to say you have a part and you have a role. How powerful is that to have both? That we have such a strong family line and such a strong family tradition. And yet until you walk it out, it's not, it's not finished. How powerful is that? Okay, so I want to talk a little bit. This is the teaching part. I want to talk a little bit because I'm going to use some words, and I definitely want to make sure that the next generation is understanding what I'm saying. Because all about tonight is to make sure that the kids get it. <laughs> if he's the firstborn, and this whole story is about the killing of the firstborn, then what have we lost if we don't tell this story to our firstborns? So. So I'm gonna use some words like, and correct me again, hummets. Is that right? Hummets. Hummets. And I gotta say this right. Hag Sameak Pesach. Yes. All right. So I'm gonna use words like hummets because this is the beginning. When the sun goes down, we are starting an eight-day fast, family, to where we are not to eat hummets. We are not to have anything that is considered leavened. That's hence the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts tonight. The first night of unleavened bread happens to be Pesach. So tonight is our night of remembrance because this is the night that they actually, at three o'clock, so a couple of hours ago, the lamb has been slaughtered. Remember the lamb that we picked out on the 10th on Monday and we were watching? That lamb has been slaughtered for us to engage in it tonight. So that lamb, the ultimate lamb, is Yeshua. Yeshua is I'm trying to matzah. <laughs> I was gonna say it backwards. Yeshua is matzah. Okay, this table laid out of matzah. When we're engaging in matzah, Yeshua is the ultimate matzah. He has no leaven in him. There, he, he, he has no leaven in him. Didn't before the foundations of the earth, didn't when he entered on this earth, and doesn't now. And so when we engage in eight days, which means the fullness, which means completion, which means a new beginning in you, so for those that say, oh, that's religious, that was done away with, what do we need to do that for? I always am sinless. Yeah. In him you have access to be free of sin. But unless you engage it, unless you activate it, and by honoring what he honors, I promise he will help you walk out the rest of the year as matzah. He will help you because you rehearsed and you remembered for you to live a life leaven free for the entire year so that you will be a set apart people that's what this is for it's not just about a week and then you're good to go it's about really embracing a sinless life because you're really embracing him because we're about to engage the ultimate matzah this is symbolic of him being that matzah okay so i want us to understand a little bit about hummets because the reason why we all know the story because we talked about it last week that the literal reason why they ate matzah was because they had to get out of there really fast. So they didn't have time. 
But the symbolism behind hummets is it's anything that puffs you up. It's anything that fills you with hot air. Okay, sourdough bread is amazing. And it is full of hot air. There's an aspect, now we're gonna get there because we engage in Shavuot where it is all about the wheat and it is all about the bread. So it's not that bread is this horrible thing, but there's something about remembering what it's like to eat something that doesn't have anything that puffs you up. So as you've been cleaning your homes this week, as you've been, I've seen toasters be sparkly, never even thought of the toaster. Of course there's hummets all inside the toaster. But what is happening in your heart when you are getting every last piece of sin out of your body? Every, I am going to search, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna clean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna oil it up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in places I've never been before in me to find every last crumb that is puffing me up with hot air. When I say stuff like that, I'm, I'm, I want to make this a little bit real. So let's say you, uh, you have a honest desire to make a living. That's a good thing. But then ego sets in and the hot air says, well, now I want recognition of all that I've done. I am the provider right? That could be part of that, that hot air. Another example could be, I'm going to study the word that I would be so close to him. That's good. And then ego gets attached just a little bit, just a little bit of yeast. And all of a sudden I'm a big old loaf because I will be wiser than everyone. I don't literally have that thought, but ego is ego. Right? So, so when Missy's up here, say, say thank you 25 times. That is, that's amazing. But the thank you to me would be to have a family and a generation that understands the reality of who he is and internalizes it with such conviction that there's no stopping who we are. There's no stopping the scattered remnant of understanding the gospel, not the church age, which we'll get there. So, so the thank you is to be living a transformed life. Your thank you is to be that toaster. Like we're going to, we're going to end, we're going to walk into the counting of the Omer and we're going to be working on integrity. Let us be a people that walks with integrity. Another, another example of, um, um, basically just ex- any kind of, you guys know what ego is when I say that, right? Just any ounce of ego that would start off pure, that all of a sudden there's this desperation for need of something. And what that is, is that little bit of hummets, studying the word, little bit of hummets, making an honest living, little bit of hummets, in, in a genuine relationship, little bit of hummets. And then all of a sudden it's, you're fighting or arguing or whatever because you're, you're puffed up with whether it be knowledge or whatever it is that fills you up with hot air. So I'm going to be using that word hummets. Basically, that is sin, okay? And what we're doing for the next eight days is we are separating ourselves from sin, which we know that he is the ultimate separator. But I don't want to just rely on, well, he did it and be ignorant that I need to partner with him and I want to separate myself. So when we're eating matzah, we're, we are engaging with something that has no sin to teach us how to be a separated people. Bread is like baked and there's a lot of ingredients. Hummets is, I mean, unleavened bread is unleavened bread. And so you're ju- it's just, you're you have no ego. You are a flat piece of nothing. Right? And that is a powerful thing. And here's why you need to understand this. Because in, after eight days, 50 days counting, actually, 50 days counting starting this Sunday, so in about 53 days, it is all about you. Under his power. 
and covenant. So if it's all about you without understanding that separation, we've got a big problem. So we need to be prepared for the power of Ruach to fall on us, to walk with such power. And he needs a people who are flatlined. He needs a people that is not already mixed with the cares of this world. They were making bread in Egypt, and I'm going to get to the story, but they were making bread in a place, and they needed to separate themselves, not just physically. Come on. Most of us, it's easy to be delivered. That's just the first cup. The cup of deliver. maybe that's the second cup. I think it's the second cup. We'll bless it first. Then we'll get into deliverance. But it's one thing to just, I mean, I, I shall take you out. Yes, take me out of this place. Okay, now try to be separated from the influences of the world that you were a part of. You're gonna be walking around the wilderness for a long time trying to take off the bondage of what you knew. Okay, so this, we need to understand why we're doing eight days. Not only are you to not have leavened bread, you have to engage unleavened bread. So it's a two part. You are not just to get rid of it, but you are to partake and eat matzah. That is a mitzvah. That is a law. That is a thing that he says for generations, you shall eat matzah. He's saying, I want you to engage with who I ultimately am. All right, I need my water. Okay, so you guys understand why we're talking about unleavened bread. All right. The first thing I'm going to do, which this is still new to me, but I had homemade by a son make unleavened bread. And it is in our new matzah cover. And I'm only going to give a couple of clues because we are going to talk about this tomorrow. There are three pieces of unleavened bread. They are symbolic in multiple dimensions. Okay? But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick my hands in here and I'm going to break the second one. Look at it as a three-tiered structure of Yahweh, Yeshua, and Ruach. There's multiple ways to look at this, but what we're going to do is I am ultimately starting off the evening with breaking who he is. He was once whole and chose to walk out his scroll to be broken so that you may be so that you may be whole. And the powerful thing is, is when this happens and we partake in this, you get that part of him so that you can be the dispenser, that I may be whole so that others may be whole. So he is whole in us together, okay? So when we break this, what's gonna happen is the larger piece is called the afikomen. The afikomen, will you get the afikomen back out of that? The afikomen, the literal word is dessert. It's that which that comes after. This, this little word, Like that? It's, it's kind of painted weird. Isn't that a left weird? It's an interesting a left. I had it right? Yes. Afikomen means dessert. It's that which comes after. I need you to hear that. That which comes after. I'm going to break this bread. The smaller portion is going to stay The larger portion is going to be put in an afikomen bag. And then when you guys bring your bags tomorrow, symbolically, that afikomen is going to be put in your bags. And we are going to hide it. And it is our job to go and search the ends of this building <laughs> to find that which comes after you. The larger piece, the scattered remnant 
to come back into the house of Israel. Because remember, the smaller portion stayed. Okay, it's the church. It's the scattered ones that say, we've got it all together. You are not back in the threefold matzah. So this, that which comes after, which is dessert, we, you, we are going to send all the children out. I've heard adults too are going to go and search out for the scattered, the larger part. And then we are going to engage with that because in us, it comes back together. Okay, so we're going to start off the night with me breaking. Actually, will you open that? And now, that will be hidden for later because that is what comes after after we go and search that out. All right, so that is the start of the night. You guys doing okay? So this is where I'm gonna step into a timeless place and you guys are just gonna have to follow what happens. So I found myself in a place that was really familiar. I woke up one morning and this land was super, was super familiar. Missy talked about that. It was common. It's what I knew. I actually was the 20th generation in my family line being in this land. This land was called Egypt. It's about 400 years I knew my family had been there. I had a really strong family line. In fact, Joseph uh, had, had kind of, you know, it was a good place. This place for my family was a good place. The world was in famine. So my family had to leave the world and had to go and find this place. Luckily, they had an elder brother that was higher up in this place already to be able to make a way for such a peculiar people and had favor to come into this land of Egypt because we were starving. So I know this story because my family talks about it all the time. And, but then like me, me being like the 20th generation, things started to get weird. Like we're in this land, everything's normal. My father, my father's father, my father's father's father, and my father's father's father. Like this is all, what, this is what we did. It was like our family line. We were loyal, we stayed there. We were like, we built like, we built some buildings. We had brick and mortar and, and, and we, had, we had all the means. We ate good, we ate lots of bread, we ate lots of meat, we, we ate really, really well. And, and so I, 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 I wake up one morning and, and things start to get super awkward. Like it's getting really weird. Everything's normal. This is where we live. I mean, this is heritage, this is, this is tradition. We've been in the land of Egypt for 400 years and my family and, 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 and there's this peculiar, peculiar people, but it's working. And I've been told that we were sent here as a good thing because we were, there was a famine in the world. So all of a sudden this really weird thing starts happening where Yahweh had been blessing us and we had all that we needed. And then all of a sudden there was like blood in the water. Like, it was stagnant, dead water, and it was bloody. Our, we couldn't drink anything. My, we, we, we couldn't quench our thirst because there was, like, blood flowing around everywhere. Isn't that weird? So, why would Yahweh... Like, we are a blessed, peculiar people. We've been here for 400 years. Everything's normal. Why would, all of a sudden, Yahweh just decide to like ruin our land. Then all of a sudden there's, I might not get these in order, but there's frogs. They're like jumping in my food. There's just, there's frogs all over. There's just these slimy little things and they were sent all over the land. And I'm still really confused because I thought Yahweh was a good God. We are a peculiar people. But this king of ours that we're building for is starting to get aggravated. He started to get irritated with this peculiar people because we're favored, we're blessed, we make a lot of kids, we have anointing, and we know how to work. 
So this king starts to get, this was a good thing. I liked all, I listened to me in the spirit because we're going to, it's going to get good. This king says, I wanted you here when you were working for me and doing all this stuff, but now you're like getting too big. You're getting a little too anointed. You're getting a little too, you're starting to like get the, hey, this is 400 years. I thought I had, I thought I had the grips on this. These people, something's not right. So he starts to, his heart starts, starts to harden towards my family. So Yahweh tells us that he's going to start doing some things in the land to help us out. And I am super confused. Has Yahweh ever told you, I'm going to help you, and then there's a frog that lands in your soup? Or has Yahweh ever said, like, I've got your back, and then all of a sudden you're really thirsty? Then all of a sudden it gets really weird. There is lice everywhere. People are itching their heads. There is, there is stuff going on everywhere. There's uh, lice is happening. We got wild beasts running around. We got uh, all of our livestock, because we were becoming really wealthy because we know how to work and we knew how to raise generation and we knew how to cat, all of our cattle started, all this stuff, all, all of our stuff started dying. So there was all this disease, there was boils. People's bodies started to get like boils all over them. There was hail, there was locusts. Then all of a sudden after all this, and now I'm really confused because I thought this was a good thing. Egypt was a good thing. What is happening and why is Yahweh doing this to all of us? And he goes, because I'm going to deliver you. This does not feel like deliverance. I got a boil now. Okay. Then three days of darkness. Could you imagine? The sun just doesn't show up. How, many, how much of our peace is like the sun will rise and all of a sudden it doesn't. Three days of utter darkness. Then we catch wind that it's gonna get really weird. And now I'm super confused because we're told that the final straw to fix all this problem, still I'm confused, I didn't even know there was a problem. And Yahweh's telling me he's gonna fix the problem. He says, I'm gonna come through and I'm gonna kill every firstborn in every single house. We wouldn't be here 400 years later, 430 years now at this time, if the firstborn, what is happening? So he says, but I have a way out for you. I know you've had to endure all the, up to this point, but I have, I, I have a way out for you. So my dad comes home and he's got the weirdest thing. He says, you know that lamb you've been hanging out with for the last three years that you've been raising? Because I, I do cattle, right? That's what we do as a family. We raise cattle. You know that lamb that you've been raising? Well, I need you to uh, pick out the best one. I want you to go out and I want you to pick the one that is the perfect one. Well, I knew right away who it was. Because I had been pay I had been hanging out with this lamb. I knew which one was spotless. I knew which one had the best everything. Okay, and he says, "I need you to kill it, because we're going to put that blood on our doorposts. And if we do that, the angel will not touch our house." Okay, this is getting really weird. Again, I thought we were here for a good thing. Everything is going fine. I've got three square meals a day. Okay. So you put the, we put the blood on the doorpost and sure enough, there is a wailing in the middle of the night because every firstborn is gone, except for the ones with the doorposts. And then my dad says, get your stuff, we're getting out. And I want you to go to your neighbors and the Egyptians and I want you to ask for all their gold and silver and pack it up, we are leaving. Wait, why would we leave? We have it good here. And he just saved, he just, I mean, we got the blood on the doorpost. We should be fine. The blood on the doorpost is fine. It, we, the house is fine. I don't want to leave my house. The blood on the doorpost is fine. We are saved. Can we stay? Please, daddy, please. 
no, I need you to get out. I need you to move. I need, we need to leave this land. So we leave. And then all of a sudden, again, I'm stepping into a timeless place. I fall into a vision. And in that vision, I see a people 3,500 years from now. I didn't understand why we had to leave, but I fell into this vision and I saw 3,500 years forward. And I saw this land and it was a good land. In fact, it wasn't called Egypt anymore. This land was like, the word was religion. And it was a good place. It, it, was, it was a good place. The world was starving. <laughs> there was a famine in the world. So we, us people, there was like this people, they were my people. I saw my family 3,500 years from now and they all gathered into this land called religion. And they were doing great. In fact, I saw the 20th generation, their father and their father's father and their father's father had all served in the land of religion. And they had the brick and the mortar and there was this king that was like, it was almost as if the king was doing anything and everything he could to break those people. But they were fine. They had three square meals a day. I saw it. And then these weird things started happening. I could see the hunger start to stir. I could see the remnant going, something's off. There's blood in the water. It's stagnant. It's dead. Something's diseased. My thirst is gone. I can't drink living water anymore. I heard my family 3,500 years later say, I can't drink. There's no more living water. It's contaminated with the wrong blood. Then all of a sudden, I saw my family start to get infested with sliminess, like jumping, skitty, like they were like, it's like all of a sudden they were acting like frogs. They just started like jumping on people and they were just slimy and, and, and just, they were like, they, they were just jumpy. And then all of a sudden there was like this confusion and everyone kept scratching their head. What's happening? It was like they had lice. They just started to get confused. This isn't right. Something's not right here. I started to see their, 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 their heads. They just started to get really confused. Like something was happening to their brains because they were like itching at their heads all, all the time. And then I saw these like wild beasts. It was like a different dimension. It was like these, these out of character beasts started like hitting against other things. It was almost like I could see a different realm just start like fighting. And then there was disease. There was pain. I could see people, their bodies, their bodies were full of pain. They, they, there, was no, there was no way out. This land wasn't giving them a way out. They, they were full of pain. They, and then hail. It was like they were getting knocked upside the head. Like, what, where did that come from? I could see my family just getting tossed to and fro from like hail balls just getting hit at them. It's like, it's like they, were just, they were just getting slammed in this land called religion. And then the locusts. It was like I could see them buzzing. Just, just, and it was like, it was just, it was making a sound that caused the, my people, it was causing a sound to derail my people from hearing his voice because they just kept hearing, they kept noise. It was like a noise was just fluttering all over this land called religion, lots and lots of noise. And it was making them confused. And then all of a sudden I saw darkness. All of a sudden it got to the point where it was so bad. They couldn't differentiate who they were in the land of religion. They didn't know if they were Egyptian or if they were a Jew. They didn't know if they were Hebrew or a Christian. All of a sudden they were getting confused on who they were because, and then, so it got dark. I saw days of just 
darkness. There was no light in this land of religion until that final awkward moment when I was questioning my dad, why do we have to leave? I saw it 3,500 years later. They had to understand that the lamb was Yeshua from, from 2,000 years prior because there was no more sacrifice. I, all of a sudden, I saw there was no more lambs. Like, I thought, well, what happened? So I had to try to reconcile. 3,500 years, there's no lambs. And then all of a sudden, I was taken because I'm in a timeless place. And I recognized that 2,000 years prior for my family, there was a lamb. And it was the final lamb for my people. And when they chose in that land of religion to take the blood of that final lamb and put it over their doorpost, they would be miraculously passed over or Pesach or skipped over so that their firstborn would not die. Because I was standing in a place wanting 3,500 years from now to not have their firstborns die. Because they are dying in the land of religion. They're still dying because there's no blood on the doorpost. And if there is blood on the doorpost, I saw some people be like, okay. I saw some of my family put the blood on the doorpost, but they wouldn't leave. I saw my family captive with the blood on the doorpost year after year after year. But they didn't listen to their daddy. When he said, get up and go out of the land of religion, I am delivering you from a place and taking you to a place. My time was Egypt and promised land, but my family, I saw religion and kingdom. But so many of my family said, but the blood on the doorpost is fine. At least my firstborn shall be saved but they didn't leave. So all of a sudden, I wake up out of this vision and I fall on my knees and I am thankful to my father who gave me the instructions and I was no longer confused. This night is a night to internalize your Exodus story because you all have one. While our ancestors did leave a place of Egypt, we all have a place in us that he promises we're gonna go over tomorrow. He says, I shall, four times, I shall deliver you. I shall take you out. That's what it is. I shall take you out. I shall deliver you. I shall redeem you, liberate you. And then guess what? I shall take you as my own. I shall marry you. It is to prepare you because in about 53 days, you get to rehearse the ultimate covenant where he puts his Torah inside of you. And we will not be ready for that kind of power if our kids do not know your Exodus story. They need to know what you left. They need to know. We need to know. They need, they need to know, and it's not just the Exodus story, but the Exodus story replayed itself 1,500 years later with Yeshua. The same, he did the same thing. We talked about it last week. You have the parting of the sea. He went down. He went up. You have first fruits. They landed on dry ground. He is risen. It's, all, it's the same story. And we, as his people, get to rehearse that story every single year so that our children's 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 children will know the internalization of who he is. It is for our children to know our Exodus story. That is my Exodus story. My Exodus story, when I stepped into that timeless place and I woke up today and was shaking, I was able to identify every locust, every boil, every hailstone, every single blood, every single stagnant water, every single 
beast, <laughs> every fly, every, I could identify that land so clearly, and that's the confusion. Why would Yahweh do this? Yahweh was doing it in order to change the ego or who's in charge of the ego or Pharaoh or the king of this world that we serve that we're not supposed to serve. It's that land that he says, get out from that land and come, let me be the one that says, I will take you into myself to where he is the only one that we are serving day by day by day by day. The manna for each day. That's what, that's what Pesach is about. That's what the Feast of Unleavened Bread is that our kids would know that not only did my ancestors go through something, but that Yeshua is my ancestor and he went through something and fulfilled that story so that I could walk through the exact same story 2,000 years later and I'm still walking through it. And it is real, and that is why we rehearse, because this is an opportunity for us to renew our covenant with him that he made, that we believe and know that he shall, he shall take you out of this world. He shall deliver you from the influence of the world you were raised in. He shall liberate you. He doesn't stop at salvation. He doesn't stop at the blood, the doorpost. He says, I shall redeem you. To then what? Why are we redeemed even? <laughs> Just to be a redeemed people? I shall take you as mine. I shall restore you and marry you. I shall make a covenant with you. And this is our time to rehearse that because we are going to move forward in our place to be able to renew that covenant. Amen? All right. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is all about the kids and all about, well, and adults, <laughs> to ask questions. Why is this night different? Make it, um, make it different by remembering your story. That's why we eat the bread of affliction. When we're about to partake in this, it is you remembering the bondage that you were in, maybe still in, in certain areas, right? You get to taste and see and remember so that when we drink and partake of his promises and seal the covenant four times tomorrow, we know why we get to taste freedom. You don't get to really taste freedom if you don't know what bondage feels like. So we are going to do that. So when, when you do a Seder, you will say, okay, we're going we're gonna, to uh, do right now, we're going to do the matzah. And then what, the, what we would do is we'd say, what's this all about? Isn't that a powerful question? In religion, don't ask questions. Sit down, shut up, and I'll tell you about it. Right? But you are supposed to, what's this all about? Isn't that powerful? Let me tell you about some unleavened bread. Let me tell you about the ultimate matzah. Let me tell you what you're engaging in. Let me tell you what I engaged in. Let me tell you what it means to be a separated people, a flatlined people. Now, you know I don't want you dead, but I want our egos dead. I want us to be a flatlined people, fully surrendered, to be able to receive because what he has for you, if your ego is in the way, it is very dangerous. So, we are going to, I will hand these out for you guys. We're going to do, go ahead and grab, uh, I mean, take a whole matzah. Like, enga engage it or break it. Maybe uh, one thing spiritually I saw is grab a partner, break it, and engage in that together because that's where the two houses are becoming one. Huh? This is matzah. Oh no, I have the homemade stuff in my matzah bag. This is not homemade, this is machine made. Do we need more anywhere? I'll take this one. Go ahead and just, go ahead and just partake in it. If you wanna grab a partner, break it, engage it with one another, this is going to be our 
essentially our communion tonight, remember that what you're engaging in is you are tasting the ultimate of who he is. He is unleavened bread. He has no sin in him. He has no hamets in him. This is what that tastes like. There is a traditional prayer. I know you guys sing it and say it. Um, actually. Now. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking Where it says, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu. Yes. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melecha Olam. Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. Amen. Amen. We're thanking him for bringing that bread forth for us to engage in. And if you hear that in multiple dimensions, the ultimate bread of life was brought forth on the earth. His scroll, he could have stayed. He could have stayed, but to fulfill his story, he came and he, bread was brought forth to the earth for us to partake in so that we can search out where the missing bread is, okay? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, he says, I have to go, but he never left us because he empowered us with Ruach to be able to go and to find the Afikomen. To turn this off before I eat. Now as we're engaging this, I wanted to read where it is found in Exodus. We've already been through all these teachings, but he says forever. Okay, so I'm in Exodus, but it says forever. You will do this forever. Isn't it so powerful that even the scriptures are generational? Because like I said, in that land that I saw 3,500 years later, that land was very strategic on those firstborns. A lot of identity crisis is going on. Exodus 12, 8. They are to eat the meat. So this is us partaking in who he is. He is our meat, right? That night, roasted over a fire with matzah and bitter herbs, they are to eat it. Now, the traditional Seder has many parts on this plate, as you can see, and it's all part of the story to be able to remember part of that story. What I felt by the Spirit tonight was that our family needed to, we're, we're in, we're, we're, we are in a process. Okay, we have, we have left religion and we have stepped, stepped into this wilderness place <laughs> and we are in a process and what I heard him say is just go straight to the scriptures I know that there's a hard-boiled egg and there's hesed and there's all this um, there's all this stuff but I heard him say just go straight to the scriptures and the scripture says eat Pesach with matzah and bitter herbs so for this year, we're starting with only two of the hundred elements <laughs> that there are to this story in all the different aspects of the tradition. Let me just give one really cool tradition because I just think that this is really awesome. The night before Pesach, which would have been last night, families would gather their uh, children a little bit before midnight. They'd wake them up in the middle of the night and they would have candlelight and they would have hidden 10 different places of matzah. I'm sorry, not matzah, 10 places of leavened bread wrapped up in a brown paper bag and they would hide it throughout the house. And of course they would keep note of it. And because uh, we are not to not only not engage in it or eat it, but we are not to own it. We don't wanna have any ownership from that land, right? So at candlelight at midnight, they would gather the kids and they would say, go and find every last piece. And I just thought, what a powerful thing or a power. There's so many things that we can do. So I just, I wanted to throw that out there of what, of, of how powerful that is to engage our kids to say, I want you to go out and I want you to search that house. I want you to search our house and have them be a part of that. 
So there's so many different elements to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But for our family this time, we wanted to, I felt like we were to engage with the scriptures say in Exodus to eat it with matzah and, and bitter herbs. Okay? All right. Now we're going to do the fun part. So what you're going to do is you're going to break off a piece of kale. And there is horseradish in this cup. If you want, you're just gonna take a little spoonful of it and put it inside your kale, like a little kale cup. Now, here's the thing. I know you guys have probably been to some seders where you have this little taste. If you wanna drink a whole cup of wine, you're gonna be eating some horseradish tonight. Right? But think about it. You don't wanna engage in freedom if you don't understand what the bitterness tastes like. <laughs> so don't be picky and choosy and go, that doesn't taste good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I definitely don't know how to say this word. This word is marar. Am I saying that right? Marar? Maror? Say it again. Maror? Maror? Okay. So we're actually eating matzah and marar. Mar <laughs> Marar. <laughs> okay, everyone look at Jalen's face right now. Everyone look at Valerie's face. Now, part of doing this, we, we say all the time in freedom, taste and see, oh, that he is good. But very rarely do we taste and see what we've been through. Whether it burned or you loved it, the saying in a competition, it's about engaging with remembering what you've been through and what your ancestors have been through, including the king of kings. Sometimes it's hard for us to internalize. He died on a cross. And I know that this might be simple, but when I eat that and it's just potent, there's just something about the, him being potent in me that I would remember the bitterness that he had to endure. Now, well, I don't even, I don't even wanna go there. But he did have to go through some bitterness. Not bitterness in the sense of a bitter heart, but there was bitterness I'm talking about the ultimate matzah. No sin, no self-righteousness, no ego. N none, no, n none. He is the example that you can come from heaven because you came from heaven and live on this earth and be just like him that you can live a life completely sinless and pure. So when we do this, I'm engaging and partaking in his story so that I may be empowered that my elder brother, my elder brother endured a he went through the Feast of Unleavened Bread, okay? He went through it in the physical because his family celebrated it. He knew what this was. This was not foreign to him. He ate matzah himself. He ate bitter herbs himself. This is not an Old Testament thing. Have you read the New Testament? The Renewed Covenant? He did this for years. He was raised in the temple. He knew about the sacrifices. In fact, the moment he was hanging on that cross, I believe the only reason why he was able to say with boldness, it is finished while he's getting, while he's 
crucified is because he knew that the lambs he had raised were slaughtered at the exact same time because he was fulfilling what his father said to fulfill. That is how you go through life without having a bitter bitter heart because you are willing to taste and see the bitterness and move it and engage it. I'm not afraid of bitterness, but that becomes a problem when you're like, oh, mm, 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 no, I'm fine. But when you move it, and you welcome it, and you engage it, and you internalize it, and you move it out, you now have been, now you now are an overcomer. Not because, it's not a part of me, but actually because it's so a part of me, because it was so a part of him that I can say it is finished in me. It is finished in me. I do not have the power to say it is finished if I don't understand what I'm saying it is finished for. Okay? Amen? All right. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.